Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I'm sex educator and sexual communication coach, Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. On the last solo episode, we talked about whether you enjoy giving oral sex. For the heterosexuals, bisexuals, pansexuals, and others among us, that includes blowjobs. Today, we're diving into the obvious follow-up question, do you swallow? This is a question that I find endlessly fascinating because so many people have very strong feelings about it, including me. So let's jump in. Here are voices from the Good Girls Talk About Sex interviews answering the question, do you swallow? And I'll be back with my own answer in a few minutes. I do swallow. I used to not swallow, but I swallow now. What made you change? Um, it got inconvenient to spit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I started not minding the taste. Like, yeah, I kind of like the taste now. Yes, I've only ever swallowed with my husband. With my partners, yes. Uh, With randoms, not always. Swallow with a long-term partner. I think that somebody who I'm with long-term, I tend to really like their tastes and like the way that they smell. I have. It's not my favorite thing, but... Swallow. It's it's the moment's right, but I'm a big fan of like seeing it squirt everywhere. That's really what I love to watch. Like that, that's the best moment for me is to like feel I'm about to go and then just watch it. (laughs) My poor husband, when I do, um, I don't swallow. He, he takes a lot of supplements. And so it's like toxic sludge. Oh my God. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Yeah, I think it just depends on the moment how close I am to a bathroom where I can, like, spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> or if I'm not, I'll just suck it up and swallow it because I don't really like mess. Not usually. It depends on the person. And it depends on the time. Like, sometimes I feel up to it and sometimes I'm like, no. Sometimes. Um, I used to swallow, never a problem. But because of my health issues, the mucus and breathing has become an issue that that adds to. Mm. So um, for the most part now, I'm trying to still complete a blowjob and be able to breathe. And so I will let it drip down. It doesn't Mm -hmm. bother me on my tongue. The taste doesn't bother me. But that extra mucus in me can be a real problem for breathing. Very rarely. I have. Mm -hmm. Times that I have, it was also like 
I knew that it was doing something for my partner. Mm -hmm. So I was doing it for them because they were like, oh, this is so hot. Yeah, typically, no, I don't. I don't swallow. No, I've heard that some do, but I just can't. I run and spit it out. It's actually something that I really enjoy doing, and it turns me on a lot. Swallow. Cleanliness is important. Tidiness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Generally, I don't. um, And there are times when I really want to. So I kind of let my body decide what feels right for it. Mm -hmm. When you don't, what do you do? um, I usually ask them to not come in my mouth. Um, I'll get them really close and let, like have them either ejaculate on my, my stomach or chest or whatever. Um, and if, if sometimes it's happened that they've come and I haven't wanted to swallow and I'll just, you know, spit it in the towel or something. No. <laughs> so what do you do? Um, I just told him not to. I have, it's not my favorite thing. I don't think it tastes very good. With the right partner, I do. No, no. If, if I'm too lazy to go to the bathroom, I'll swallow. <laughs> but for the most part, I'll get up after and, and go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Swallow. Usually swallow. I do. Yes. I always swallow. Um, I do swallow um, when I choose. I love fellatio when I really like the person and... Also, when I'm aware of the kinds of foods that the person eats. I spit. I don't need to swallow anymore. I'm married. I gave him two kids. I'm not taking that shit in. (laughs) (laughs) My turn. This is a big deal question for me because it has caused so much drama in my world. When I was in my late teens, early 20s, I started picking up Cosmo magazine. This was the mid 90s. So the internet was on the cusp of becoming widely available. And I was not on the leading edge of that movement. So when it came to information and conversation about sex, Cosmo was my most important media source. Well, that and the many boxes of Playboy and Penthouse magazines my dad had stored in the basement of our house. I knew from the beginning that the one-size-fits-all nature of Cosmo didn't seem to apply to me. I couldn't put on that color of blush and suddenly look like I was ready to walk into a ball. And I couldn't wear that particular shape of skirt that everyone would be wearing this fall because it looked downright stupid on my body shape. But rather than figuring out that their content machine was driven by marketers who were trying to sell their latest products, I took it as a commentary on my own acceptability as a female human. I wasn't good enough, pretty enough, thin enough, shapely enough, etc. I would read about the moves and the sex tricks and the techniques and think, that doesn't sound like fun. And sometimes I don't even understand how that's logistically possible. But if this is what the magazine is selling me, and I don't get it, then I must be the defective one. So I should be even further ashamed about my unsuitability as a partner and do everything I can to figure out how to be better. This was the emotional and mental landscape into which one particular phrase landed. 
I'm not sure if it was from Cosmo or one of the girly mags, but the message was clear and unambiguous. If you love him, you swallow. Period. End of sentence. There was no wiggle room on this. If you love him, you swallow. This landed in my head long before I came face to face with an actual penis. And even in that pre-sexual time, I wasn't excited about the idea of bodily fluids. Something about the idea of all of the fluids and byproducts of sex squicked me out even before I experienced them. Though to be fair to myself, when my first boyfriend kissed my neck at age 17, I got itching and rashes on my neck. So being afraid of saliva kind of made sense. And I still have no idea what he was eating or smoking that gave me that reaction. But moving forward to when I was 21, I had my first interaction with the penis. That penis was attached to a man who wanted to engage with me sexually on a regular basis, several nights a week, but didn't want anyone to know what was going on. He wanted to go out with other girls and then come back and tell me about those dates and what they did on them and his love struggles. Meanwhile, I just wanted some affection and to be important to someone. I was miserable at the way he treated my feelings, but now I can look back and recognize that what I was going through was classic touch hunger. I desperately needed someone to be touching and caressing my body. I fantasized about it all times of day and night. And I was willing to enter an emotionally violent situation in order to get those physical touch needs met. All I really wanted was kissing and some above the waist action. But he pushed hard to take it below the belt. Eventually, one night, he penetrated me with his fingers without asking for consent. I hated it, but didn't say anything. Then he started harassing me constantly to give him a blowjob and to have intercourse. And here's where things got confusing beyond my ability to sort it out at the time. My conditioning told me that if I gave him a blowjob, I'd have to swallow. I was squicked out by the idea of swallowing, and also afraid that imbibing part of his quote-unquote essence would tie me even further to this man who I knew was treating me carelessly. But I also had a deep need to continue getting my touch needs met. And there was the ever-present underlying threat that if I didn't give him a blowjob, he'd push me even further aside than he already had. So from within that level of emotional turmoil, I finally gave my first blowjob. I didn't want to create a further crisis and question my love for him, so I swallowed. And then I proceeded to spend the next three days completely nauseated, periodically gagging with the feeling of crap sliding down my throat. Honestly, even going back and remembering this makes me nauseous right now. I spent days coughing and retching, trying to get past the memory. Oh, God. That was the last blowjob I ever gave him. 
It was the last blowjob I gave for a very, very long time. Swallowing was such an intensely nauseating experience that there was no way I was going to repeat it. But I had so fully believed the idea that if you love him, you swallow, that it never occurred to me that I might give a blowjob without swallowing. So for the next two decades or so, I avoided blowjobs like the plague. But I never told the men I was with why. I didn't explain that the idea of swallowing made me wretch, so they had no opportunity to say, it's okay if you stop before I come. I never told anyone that I was trying to abide by this maxim that if you love him, you swallow. And I didn't want him to think I didn't love him. So I wasn't going to put us in the situation of me not swallowing and causing him to question my feelings for him. I will never forget the day at age 42 that things changed. I was on my journey of sexual exploration and healing, and I was taking any and all classes I could get on sexuality. This particular evening was the STARS class, which you've probably heard me talk about before. It's the system created by Dr. Evelyn Dacker that helps you walk through a conversation about sex with a potential partner before your clothes come off. The letters of STARS stand for STI status, turn-ons, avoids, relationship expectations, and safety protocols. If you're interested and want to learn more, go back to the February 20, 2019 episode, The STARS Method, to hear Eveline explain the conversation and hear me have a sample conversation with a friend of mine. So that night, I'm at the STARS class, and we're learning how to talk about the various elements of the STARS conversation. When I heard someone say, I enjoy giving blowjobs, but I don't want you to come in my mouth or on my face. It was a pretty profound moment of discovery for me. I literally had no idea that you could say that. I would have assumed that if I did say that to a man, he would turn down the sexual encounter because that wouldn't be acceptable to him. But hearing this other woman say it so confidently, and with an expectation that this boundary would be honored, made me wonder if I could do that too. So the next time I was having a stars talk with a potential male partner, I slipped in this idea that I didn't want ejaculate in my mouth or on my face. And he just nodded as if that were a totally normal boundary. I was completely stunned. So then I started saying it to other potential partners, and not one of them turned me down. No one even made a peep about it being unreasonable or emotionally fraught for them. And something amazing happened. Once I took ejaculation out of the equation, I discovered that I really enjoy giving blowjobs. This has now become something that I take for granted. Having ejaculate in my mouth or on my face is a total non-starter for me. And I'm perfectly comfortable letting someone know that it's a boundary. If someone were ever to take issue with that boundary, it would be an excellent indication that they're not a good partner for me. I now feel secure in the knowledge that no sexual encounter 
is important enough for me to violate my boundaries and make myself feel uncomfortable or unsafe. I've been in a monogamous relationship with my current partner for about two and a half years. And just like the others, when I gave him my boundary about ejaculate, it was a complete non-issue. After we'd been together for a few months, it was clear that I really, really enjoy giving him blowjobs, and he really enjoys receiving them. So one day he came over with something for us to try, non-lubricated condoms. I was concerned that they might taste or smell awful, but they've actually been a godsend. We use the Nutrex brand because they have no smell, no taste, and no powder. And by the way, I am not an affiliate for them. I just really, really like their product. So now I get to give him a blowjob with absolutely no concern about ejaculate, and he gets to come to completion while he's in my mouth. It's a win-win for us both. So in answer to the question, do you swallow? My answer is clear. Hell fucking no. I get so many messages from listeners saying, thank you for the show. I've listened to the whole back catalog and it's helped me completely transform my sex life. Are you one of those people? If so, I'd love to have your support so I can keep growing this show and bringing a new vision of sexuality to the world. If you haven't done it yet, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. I know the podcast industry does not make reviewing a show easy. So go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And it should lead you through the process of posting a review. I'd love to get 100 reviews by the end of the year, and I could use your help. And if you have the financial resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be so grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. And I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are now either illegal or heavily legislated. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Good Girls Talk About Sex. And speaking of Patreon, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free for everyone to listen to. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access it. Just go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a contributor, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. Today, in place of an am I normal question, I want to share a conversation I had a couple months ago with a listener that has stuck with me. He emailed me through an anonymized email address, so I know absolutely nothing about him except the few details you'll hear in a moment. 
I'm blessed to get occasional emails from listeners like you about how much this podcast means to them. Sometimes it's hard to know whether things are landing well with listeners, so I cherish that feedback and support. Most of these emails are from women telling me how they've learned about themselves from listening or made changes in their own sex lives or otherwise felt more empowered as a result of hearing these conversations. This email comes from a very different point of view, and I really can't get it out of my head. And I should also mention that I am sharing it with his permission. So here's what he wrote. I stumbled upon your Good Girls podcast whilst wandering the byways of the internet. And after listening to a few episodes, I feel compelled to write to you. I grew up in a working class family consisting of my mother and father and my three brothers, a totally male environment. This was compounded by all of my education being in single-sex schools. Sex was hardly mentioned, except my mother instilled the idea that sex was dirty and that all women hated it and suffered it simply because of men's needs. She also believed virginity was sacrosanct and no unmarried girl would surrender it voluntarily. I had a few girlfriends through my teenage years. However, my approach to them sexually was firmly based on the ideas given to me by my mother. My marriage to my second wife has been sexless for some 30 years. We cannot communicate on that level. Yet I hear the conversations in your podcast and women talk about enjoying sex and that they masturbate. And I'm astonished. How can I be in my 70s and so amazed at what I'm hearing? To hear real normal women talking in the way they do on your show was literally mind-blowing. I have never in my life heard women speak about their experiences in such an open way. I'm just so astonished. Unfortunately, I have nobody to talk to about this, but I felt like I had to tell someone. I think things might have been a lot different if I had heard your talks in my youth. I want to thank you most sincerely for doing the podcast and for opening my eyes, albeit so late in the day. And can I suggest a change of title to Good Girls Talk About Sex and Men Should Listen Too? Friends, there is so much here to talk about. But I want to focus on the one thing that keeps coming around for me. As little girls, we got a lot of really unfortunate messaging around our place in the world, our bodies, our sexuality, and so much more. It left many of us feeling not pretty enough, not sexy enough, not desirable enough, not strong enough, not worthy enough, just plain not enough. The accompanying belief that follows for most women is that men have it much easier. They weren't constantly told that their worth and status was based on how they look, how much they eat, how sexy they are, etc. But the truth is that little boys got just as fucked up by cultural conditioning as little girls do. They learn that they're not allowed to have feelings, that their worth and status is based on how strong and assertive they are, and that they should know things without ever having to ask questions. That's what I hear in this man's message. He's in his 70s and mourning the fact 
that he missed out on the richness of connected human relationships because of his conditioning. Here's the hard truth. We don't do any better by our little boys than we do by our little girls. All of this talking I do about learning to communicate with a partner about your needs and desires, it's not just for your benefit. It's for his too. Because he may have been taught that you have no needs or desires. He may have been taught that his worth as a lover is based on his ability to give you pleasure without ever needing instructions. He may have been taught that asking questions demonstrates weakness. If you are in a relationship, heterosexual or otherwise, and you're not getting what you need or want from it, it can be as much a kindness to your partner to learn how to ask for what you want as it is an empowering move for you. And as a reminder, that's a huge part of the work that I do in coaching, You can visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching to learn more. Speaking of women who are willing to talk about what they want and need, I am so excited to share this week's podcast recommendation. It's called When Women Speak, and it's hosted by Sarah Sanderson. Here's how Sarah describes the show. Quote, What if sharing stories, not to be defined by them, but to set them free, opens us up to reclaim and embrace all that we are, the messy, the imperfect, the mistakes, heartache, sadness, and joy, all parts of our innate wildness, no longer shamed into silence. When women speak, anything could happen. As I've spoken about here, I'm making an ongoing effort to diversify the podcast voices that I listen to, and I'm sharing them with you. The first episode of When Women Speak that I came across was Sarah's conversation with Emma Case in the episode titled, Am I Welcome Here? Why We Must Do More Than Simply Say Everyone Is Welcome. It spoke deeply to me of how much work I, as a white woman, still have to do. Here's a clip from that conversation. The first voice you'll hear is Sarah's. The second is Emma's. When you were asked to be a podcast guest for When Women Speak and Stories Worth Telling, would you mind sharing what the first reactions were or or whether any kind of because of the, the topic of stories worth telling, whether any story came to mind? What, were you, what, what happened when you first heard about this? Um, first of all, so the title, you know, When Women Speak, I think that's quite, quite interesting because uh, maybe like yourself, I'm in, you know, I'm in a number of different Facebook groups or, you know, women's networks and, and whatnot. And so when I think about these, especially specifically for women, um, regardless of what the title is, what came to mind for me was that quite often, I often feel that there's a silent W in these titles. So, for example, when women speak. Now, actually, what I hear or what I see play out in these groups, the missing W is white. When white women speak. Okay. Now, 
I think that this is a almost like a, a something that is running at the back of my mind when I enter into these spaces. And the thing that I'm asking myself, always asking myself, almost like a silent question is, am I welcome here? So we're here to, to share, to share stories, but is my story welcome here? And so as much as somebody can have in a bio or in a video, a welcome video, that everybody is, is welcome, I'm looking for those non-verbal cues, that evidence that actually I'm one, welcome here, um, I'm two, I'm going to be heard, and three, I'm going to be safe here. So when I was invited, the very first indicator for me within When Women Speak was that it was you that invited me. Having you as a, somebody who is visible as a woman of colour um, indicated to me that my presence potentially would be welcome. And it's that simple. Wow. Wow. That brings tears to my eyes. And that, those are tears of recognition and pain and a sense of lostness. I can like visualize a, a small girl wanting to belong and doing and trying to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. I can see that so easily that voice gets pushed back and just thought, I know we'll carry on, carry on. But really, yeah, there is a scanning of, am I welcome? Is it safe? Which potentially for white women wouldn't even be a narrative that's playing out. No. That is When Women Speak by Sarah Sanderson. You can find links to the show and her social media in the show notes. I highly recommend taking a listen. I want to thank Sarah and Emma for letting all of us into this raw and honest space with them. One thing I heard Emma say in that clip is that it's all well and good to say that women of color are welcome in a space, but she's looking for nonverbal cues that it's actually true. I think many women will recognize that constant background awareness as something that they do in predominantly male spaces. Now, you can't see me behind this microphone. So in this moment, all I've got is verbal cues. So let me be explicit in saying this to all women of color and all people of marginalized communities. You are welcome in this space. I will do everything in my power to create and maintain this as a safe space for you. And at some point, I will probably fuck up. So I hope you'll let me know if and when I do so I can correct the issues and make reparations. Your stories are important. When you're comfortable and ready to share, I would love to talk with you. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free 
at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go... I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>